0: Hello and welcome to Brokeonomics. Now, if you've ever had the sense that you would like to be somewhere other than the place that you happen to be at the moment, you might want to consider a car. So we're going to be looking at cars in this episode. Cars are, of course, a, a fairly big financial decision for a lot of people. They are quite often the third biggest financial commitment you will ever make behind your wife and your house. So I've found two excellent guests to get into this. Uh, the first is, is Jeff from Jeff Buys Cars, an exploding YouTube channel. Jeff, tell us about yourself. Uh, well,
1: I make videos about cars. I like cars. Pretty much all I've ever done since I was a child is cars and that's pretty much everything about me. I just really like cars. The channel is all about buying, maintaining, running and looking for uh, old cars, high mileage stuff, cheap stuff, uh, bangonomics the lower end of the car market and that's where my passion
0: is. Bangonomics, I like that, that's good. Uh, we also have. Um, we sometimes describe people as friends of the show, but this this man is Praetorian Guard of the show. He actually built uh, all of this, all of the studio. I mean, just just everything. He he built it all. Um, but before you were building um, studios for um, based YouTubers, you, were, you you actually had your own
2: studio. This is this is Mark. Tell us about yourself, Mark. Uh, uh, my name is Mark. I didn't have my own studio, but uh, uh, I no, no
0: uh, dealership. Sorry, dealership. dealership. Well,
2: yes. I started my first ten years in corporate career. Uh, in as an accountant in the motor trade ended up running, moving sideways as a general manager running dealerships. Very, very uh, enjoyable experience in your 20s, or probably one of the youngest general managers in the country with that kind of responsibility. Hugely exciting. Uh, I left the motor trade in about uh, 2020, 2021. It changed a lot. So a lot of things happened. We can go into deep depths. A guy called Mario Mont in the EU changed franchising rules, caused a lot of upsets. Dealers and manufacturers treated each other differently from that point onwards, mm. and the game started changing. Um, and uh, I was in a group which was taken over. It wasn't enjoyable. Left, left the trade behind. Right. And uh, moved on. I've been doing different things. Uh, Team Langstein is a Le Mans 24-hour ticket agency and camping agency. Uh, got involved with building this when I met Carl and Callum in Gibraltar several years ago. Befriended right.
0: them. how it came about.
2: Yeah, yeah. Callum moved to Reading. Uh, and I even knew where, you know, where do you live? Oh, Reading, have you heard of it? Yes, Uh, because that's where I'm from. Uh, Became friends, popped in a lot. Uh, When the guys were moving office, did the first studio, Uh, and then when the guys were moving office, these two, and it was a big uh, leap of faith for Carl, to be fair, it was like a big trust me bro thing. Uh, But my stepfather used to do, uh, have a company building television scenery and exhibition stands, motor trade stuff. Uh, well, that came the, in handy,
0: at just the right time. though. I, I did a
2: couple of summers when I was fourteen and fifteen, and I, I never forgot. Perfect. So we threw ourselves in here, and here we are.
0: So we, we've we've got both sides of the the boat the the buy side and the sell the, side, the, of, of the um of yeah. the car market. So that that's perfect. So the first question I wanted to go to is about the trends in the car market at the moment. So I mean, I I look at the car market, but I I look at it in a completely different way because. Uh, used cars are basically a forward indicator on where in inflation is going um, new car prices are basically a, a, a current indicator of where inflation is and car insurance is a, is a lagging indicator of where insurance is but what is, what is the actual trends in The car buying market at the moment because I hear that it's strong at the low end and dying on its ass at the upper end Is, is that right? think I'm going to pass over to you for the upper
1: end stuff.
2: Right. Oh, let me interject. Yes, it is a good indicator. And when you have a dealership in your town, you, you can start to predict what's happening in local events by how people are coming into your business or not. And mm. people can opt, often act on mass, and you can have a very quiet period and you just don't know why. And then things start to filter out and make sense. So you used car buying habits are a really good early indicator on what's going on in the economy. Exactly yes, and you, you you
0: you tend to buy the lower end, do you, Jeff? The the, the cheaper cars. Yeah yeah exactly. So, so what, what's been happening to the prices there over the last year or so? Well,
1: you go back slightly further than that, and yeah. you look at what's happened with. You almost go back to sort of Corona mm. and the supply issues in new cars. Uh, manufacturers struggling to get microchips, which led to delays in in the supply of new cars, which led to the bolstering of prices in the second-hand car market, which meant that everything kind of solidified okay. and prices started to climb. So what we're finding now is, where is I used to be able to pick up cars for less than a grand with an MOT running and driving, the kind of base lowest entry level cars that I used to buy are now much more expensive. So people are looking to second hand right. cars more than they perhaps So some, like the 500
0: pound be. cars become a 2000 pound car. Something yeah, like the that.
1: bangers are getting less affordable. <laughs> right, okay. yes.
0: Yeah. so what, what what what's the sort of minimum sensible price that you can spend on something that is actually worth having is it just going to be a complete nightmare well again it's, it's all relative and it depends how, how risk
1: averse you are but there's this right. sort of people get lost in this if, you, if you're not going to go down the sort of new or nearly new route and, and the sort of least finance route and let's say you have got a small pot of cash to play with And generally, for most people, it's somewhere between zero and about £10,000 on the lower end of of the market. You've got different levels of risk because if you want to buy something older and you don't mind having something that's higher mileage, you've got less risk of something major going wrong. Whereas with something that's slightly more modern, things get more complicated. We've got things like diesel particulate filters and dual mass flywheel for the Uh, clutches and all this complex technology, which when it can go wrong, it can be very expensive. So if you don't mind buying something that's older, sometimes you can get a more reliable car because it's less complex. My experience over the last few years, or my whole life, to be completely honest, I don't think I've ever spent more than about £5,000 on a car. I've arrived today in a 2005 BMW X5 uh, with 220,000 miles on the clock that I paid £1,000 for. Now, some people will tell you that a cheap BMW X5... Four-wheel drive luxury SUV is a risk, but mine seems to be fantastic, and I absolutely love it. Most of the cars I buy are high mileage; they all tend to be fairly cheap. But I I can take the risk because I don't mind cars. If people yeah. don't want that level of risk, or if they don't want to, you know, use cash, if they want to finance,
0: then that's where they're going to be walking into the kind of dealerships that Mark has got more experience with. And, and I suppose if it goes completely wrong, oh no, I've lost a thousand pounds on a BMW, and I'll get another one.
1: Absolutely, and then you do end yeah. up in this... There is a whole cult of bangonomics.
0: <laughs> and there's,
1: a, there's many people that contact me saying, Jeff, I've been watching your channel for ages, I've been wanting to get out of my lease car, I've been paying however much a month it is forever, and what I've done is I've gone and bought an old Volvo, and I get a lot of lovely emails from people saying, <laughs> Do you know what? I went and paid two thousand pounds for this old Volvo estate that I picked up, and I absolutely love it. And they're enjoying not having that monthly outlay. They might be enjoying getting their fingers dirty and you know getting in and doing some of the maintenance themselves. But there is a real, there's a real community of people that just want to keep their old cars on the road, and they want to do it fairly cheaply.
0: So let's say you are buying a used car. What are the key things that you want to? think about in terms of evaluating it and this can be in terms of either somebody buying it as an individual or, or a dealership buying a used car what, what, what's the first things you look at to see if this is actually worth buying or not
2: it depends on the scenario really I guess because if it's a, a young mum with some children then she's going to want safety and security and reliability and you really she should be taking a car potentially fairly new under warranty uh via a dealership if if funds permitting obviously um she might want some security knowing where she stands some people like a fixed mortgage some people like a fixed car payments they need to know where they stand they can budget that way other people like to fly by the seat of their pants i prefer to fly by the seat of my pants Um, but for some people who don't understand cars don't understand the risks they want more security then that's when funding options and newer cars uh, come into their. Their own and it, it can be done quite cheaply, you can lease a car for a couple of hundred pounds, probably a little bit more these days, but you can do it, I mean I'm not talking anything glamorous at all, but you can have a car under warranty, uh, you'll never own that car, you'll return it in three years and you start the process again, but a lot of people like that experience.
0: But then you don't have to worry about anything, I mean you have to worry you about the petrol. don't but- even have
2: to worry about the car tax.
0: Oh really? Okay. In
2: in some leases, yeah. You, there's lots of different, there's leases, there's personal contract purchases, there's higher purchase, you can take a bank loan, you can put it on your mortgage, you can go, you know, there's so many different things you can do, some more advisable than others. But you can uh, subscribe to a monthly payment with a lender and, yeah. you, and it gives you some assuredness. And it depends where you are in your career, what you're doing. Um, if you're Working a day a week in the office, maybe you know you're home based. Maybe you can take a chance on a two thousand pound Volvo. I would great car, uh, but I wouldn't take a chance on a two thousand pound Vauxhall. Right.
0: Yes. Okay. So, um, and and what if you're what if you're going down the the buyer, the bangonomics route? What what is it that you're looking for? I mean, is it is it as simple as that? I would just buy a Volvo or a BMW and not a Vauxhall or. I I think to some degree. With
1: my experience of it, it's even simpler than that. I've right. always been a great risk taker. So I'm probably the worst person to ask <laughs> advice for because everyone is different. Right. And I am more than happy to say I've bought hundreds of cars over the years. But because I've bought so many, the failure rate has been fairly low. So generally, when I'm buying a car, I go, do I want it? <laughs> and that it really right. okay. it really is as simple as that. But as, as Mark said, for many people, It's going to vary and i am in a position now where people will say to me right this is what i need or my car is broken or you know i had one this morning right gentleman friend of mine he runs a range rover his alternator has gone you can't get it in the dealership to get it fixed you can't really be bothered to get it fixed the car is somewhere else can you help me find a car for a couple of grand that i can run around in because i can't be bothered to fix the range rover that's a classic sort of inquiry that comes to me then it's a case of what can we find for a couple of grand that's going to work for at least six months That not going to break the bank on fuel economy that isn't going to you know look totally wrong and out of place wherever he takes it and it's trying to find something that ticks all of those boxes
0: right okay that makes perfect sense okay so that that leads me on to asking then about if you have bought hundreds of cars um personally as you have or you bought hundreds of cars through a dealership what's the key thing that people need to know about negotiating (laughs)
1: <laughs> that, that's, yes. a, that's a great question. I mean, as I say, I, I'm always at the lower end of the market. And, you're, and for me, you're negotiating with a person as opposed to negotiating with a dealership or a chain or a franchise or whatever it might be. So mm. it's always a different thing. And um, I've always followed the Richard Rawlings School of Doing Things from from Gas Monkey, uh, you know, very famous TV show. And he would, always, he would always say, turn up with cash in your pocket and try and pay as little as possible. But really, for me, and coming back to what you say about, you know, how do you buy a car? I have to go with my gut feeling. I have to read an advert and look at the photos and look at the, you know, if it's Facebook marketplace, you can get a rough idea from the seller. And I can go with my gut and I can say, I think this is going to be a good car because everything that I'm seeing, I'm getting the right kind of feel from it. And I've never yet bought a car that I got a good feeling from. It's turned out to be a pop,
2: but you you you're basing on a hundred cars of experience. Exactly, a lot of people might be, have only ever owned one car. Exactly, don't have an interest in cars. Car is a tool for many, for majority of people. Uh, for some, it's an emotional purchase. Some a bit of both. But for many, it is a tool, and uh, there are a lot of people who really just do not know yeah. what they're doing. And I would say to anybody, girls and guys, years ago when I was younger, uh, people would when you're your £500 banger, you'd also buy a Haynes manual and you'd flip through (laughs) it and you'd have a go, you'd look and you'd try and understand, internet was early days so you didn't really have YouTube videos how engines work etc etc. But those days have
0: gone haven't they? Because I remember my first cars, I could buy a Haynes manual and I could amuse myself at the weekend by sort of taking it apart, it's it just seeing how it
2: is, it's like having a, a toy when you're a kid. Yeah. Take it. I always had a few, had a few bits left
0: over, which was yeah, boring, yeah, But yeah. it still drove fine. So I don't yeah, worry if that if something
2: much. didn't work, you yeah. you knew where the fuse board was at least to take the fuse out. But I, I wouldn't the even problem. attempt
0: that with my, with my beamer now. I mean,
2: uh, to a certain extent, you can and you can't. But you're, mm-hmm. I bet your beam was automatic. Yes. Right. So if you're talking as more bangonomics area, I would suggest to people the best car you can buy is the most keep it basic, keep it simple and that includes a manual Right. because uh, uh, when an automatic gearbox goes wrong you're into a lot of money. When, when you have problems right. with a manual transmission it's a clutch, it's a lot cheaper. Um, yeah. And The best used car you can buy I think is one where you know where it's been and who's owned it before, maybe an uncle, an aunt, a grandfather, yes. someone who's had a car for 10 years and they're the type of people their house is immaculate, there's never <laughs> any cra- trash in their car, the lawn's yes. cut. You know that car's looked after, and they don't want it anymore. And you say, well, I'll, "I'll have it." And, and what are
0: what are the key things that the uh, that we should know about negotiating with dealers when you try and take your car in to either sell or buy your used car from a dealer?
2: Don't walk in and say, "I've got X to spend." Right. That's the, the, that is always the first question they there, ask there's you. So, but there's so why exactly? That's just yeah. yeah. But there's so many different facets to it. know, yeah, I said to you earlier off camera, no two used cars are the same. No two customers are the same. Right. And the dealer's job really is to sit down and talk to someone and find out what they want, what they like, you know, what they want the vehicle for, because the worst thing you can do is put the wrong person in the wrong car. Or that you know, your customer in the wrong car. Because they then resent it, they have problems, they might try and get out of it. And if they if the car's bought on finance and they try and return it, then you actually lose your finance commission. So there are, you know, dealers get a, a bad rap. Uh, along with the estate agents and dealers are much better than estate agents. Estate agents are around. Um, right. so that's a subject for another conversation. Um, so the the general rule is walk in, be honest, tell them what you want. Don't talk about money too much. Don't overcommit. But you know what do you want the vehicle for? Realistically, be honest. Okay. Um, if you you just want to look flash and pull girls, okay, fair enough. Yeah. And they'll be honest. We've got nothing for you, or we have, but it's far too. You know, it's a lot of money. Are you sure this is what you want to do? Right. But again, you don't want someone who.
0: And once once you've picked your car
2: and. That, that's a, that, the, Now this is the process. Sometimes you say you get a say a family coming in. Look, we've had a problem. We I lost my job. I've got some bad credit score history. Life's been a bit tough, but I need a car for work. Can you help me? I'll take anything to a certain extent. Then they're not sort of throwing themselves on this on a sword, but look, I really need your help. Can you get me in a car? And sometimes you'll see. The guys who sell the cars and the finance—not um, that finance is sold like it used to be—that's another subject. But the the they will try really hard to help those people out because uh, it's best best honest position, and they'll find them a car. And again, they don't want it to go wrong because they're buying it on finance, and it gets cancelled in three months' time, they lose that commission.
0: And, and and what if you've seen a car and you really like it because I don't—it's red or it looks fast or something like that—and you and you decide I want that one. I don't want to get it as cheap as I can. How, how do you do that?
2: Um, if, you, if you actually see, don't walk in and say, I want a red car. But I mean, if you yeah. if you actually say, right, I saw a car online. But no, you've, you've seen it, you've, yeah, you've, you've decided that one, car. I want that, that one. one. How, how do
0: I get that one cheap? Uh, uh, that?
2: Walk in, tell them what you want, how long you intend to own it, that type of miles you want to do, obviously then negotiate yeah. based on that. But are you bringing in a part exchange? What condition is that in? How many miles? What's the service history? Are the tyres bald? or? or brand new. Right. There's a huge um, whole plethora of other variables, variables there, because that will then bring into the, your new per, your new vehicle purchase, whether it's new or used, about what they can offer you. Some dealers will, um, it's quite common, um, it's called an over-allowance or an under-allowance. They'll move the margin from one deal to another. So for example, you've got a 10,000, Pound car. You want to buy a £20,000 car, you come in with what you think is a £10,000 car, actually it's seven and a half, it's a bit nasty. So you come in and you want a £20,000 car and you want some discount and you insisting your car's worth 10 and the dealer said, look we just can't do it, we can't give any discount, your car's not worth worth 10, Um, it's actually worth seven and a half. So what they might do is some adjustments. Maybe if they've got three thousand pounds margin in the in the newer vehicle, not that they'd have really ever had that much, I'm just using as an example. Um, they might take two and a half thousand from the new side and put it into the part exchange to support mm. its value down. Because the last thing you want to buy is a seven and a half thousand pound car for ten. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So there's there's so many variables, that's why salesmen will sit for several hours with someone looking at lots of options going backwards and forwards. But, but there,
0: there is virtue in sheer obstinance that you okay. can sometimes get a better no, deal.
2: they will get bored and, and wander off because someone else might come in and, and want it. So right. just be honest, Yeah, you know, this is not a battle. You mm. know, you can make a good friend who will look after you. He needs to make some money. He's got to eat. She as well. Mm. Um, the dealership lights need to stay on. Dealerships work on, you know, 2% margin um, uh, net. At the, at the end. There's not a lot. right? So it's very vulnerable business and lots of dealers have gone, you know, closed. Um, it, franchises have generally, and I kind of saw it in the 90s, it changed with the, the EU block exemption, Mario Monti and everything. It, it, the perception really was then the franchise was more, the, the dealer groups became uh, property agents and the franchise was more the tenants. So right. it became, it became a different, Kettle of fish, and it was just about. So you're, saying that, you're
0: saying that the margins are too thin in, in dealerships to actually get much off the sticker price, is that
2: right? You can get this, it depends, but it depends what they pay for that car. Every used oh. car is different. They might have had that car for six months and they're desperate to get rid of it. They will have a stocking policy. Good tip if you go into the dealer and you've seen that's been in stock for six months, they, they will want to do a deal to get rid of it because it's taking up tarmac space, they're cleaning it every week and they've invested right. funds in financing it to sit on the forecourt. It's not going anywhere. They could have bought three other cars in that time and sold them three times over. They'll do it they'll lose money on it to get rid of it.
0: So check Google Maps and zoom in and see just if that car keep, was there. But, if you
2: if you're yeah. monitoring your local marketplace, keep an eye on it, what's going on. Okay. If you're seeing the same car coming up and up and up, they'll do a deal. If it's just yeah. if it's just in, they'll have a queue of people.
0: I see. Okay. And and, and, and what about you, Jeff? We, have you ever done a video on trying to get something ridiculously cheap or uh
1: not not really i mean you can again it depends how you want to buy because we are talking about different sort of customers auctions are always fun you could always you could always try your try your luck at your local car auction and are they
0: accessible to get into some of them
1: are trade only but some of them are open to the public but i mean you i mean talk about gambling that's the biggest gamble you could possibly take isn't it turn up there on a tuesday night with 500 pound cash and see what you drive away do do you
0: get to have a look at them beforehand you can
1: have a good look at them beforehand yeah you can usually have a walk around they often have a day where you can walk around and you need to have all the cash on you for whatever you bid but you can pay on your card but there's again there's 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 different ways of doing it but as, as mark said Every buyer is different and for mo- for, men- for most people actually mm. buying a car isn't just an adventure and that is something that you do for fun. Which is a lot of what my, my channel is about but I've, I've certainly had some interesting experiences with buying cars from auction. But mm. it's certainly a much more serious picture when you start talking about much more expensive cars at, at dealerships. But yeah I, 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 as mm. I said I think go with your gut. But there are some basics that you need to check off when, when you are buying a car. So do you, do
0: you have like a second channel, Jeff, sells cars, or, or just is your entire street just you parked up and down?
1: It's a bit of an ongoing side. joke with my followers because I've moved out I don't know how many times since I've started mm. the channel, but I've never yet had any parking. So I do periodically have moments where I look outside and think, hang on a minute, I've got a few too many here and I've got two on my drive, one at my mum's house, one at my mate's house, one at a garage, one on a road, one at a train station, yeah. and they do sort of accumulate.
0: Right, there's a definite second channel potential there
1: yeah i mean I could, at some point. my yeah. wife would much prefer it if i started to sell more cars than i buy <laughs> i think i own six or seven at the moment and i don't really need, need any of them but periodically i do i, I do move the stock around fair enough so oh,
2: just quickly oh. going back to auctions yes dealers buy their cars from auctions
0: they do ah, okay
2: not exclusively they will have de- deals with manufacturers to buy their demonstrator fleet back in uh they might have deals with. Uh, rental companies or fleets where they've sold a thousand cars into a fleet and they'll buy them back yeah. and bring them in but they will go to uh, even new car dealers will go to auctions they'll have corporate buyers who'll sit in the corporate head office if you're a dealer group of 10 that have a dedicated buyer who'll be touring around and bidding so it's not a bad thing but you must have a budget I mean, we probably have a budget years ago of say 700 pounds for every car bought in auction on average reconditioning to recondition that car for sale for the front i should imagine that's probably double now these days so if you're buying a car from the auction be prepared to spend a couple of thousand pounds on it but also if you go into the auction know how cars work find youtube how does an engine work what's that funny noise all these kind of things will stop you making horrendous mistakes
1: i think with auction cars as well it when buying from an auction you'd like to think that the car has come from a a big dealer group And this car that you're looking at in the auction has been part exchanged by a little old lady and she's had it forever. And the dealer is part exchanging it because they have a policy where any car over 30,000 miles has to go to auction. And it's on 30,001 and it's the perfect car and you're picking it at auction for cheap. And it's not the fact that this car that's going to auction has been part exchanged with the dealer because it's had a problem that no one's been able to fix. And you're going to pick it up from the auction with some horrendous engine issue that isn't obvious, but you know, and that's the thing with an auction car. You're you're anywhere on that spectrum between the best car in the world or the worst. Sorry,
2: sorry, could get a winner. The stocking policy for dealers is incredibly strict. You're tying up cash and that cash is money. Um, You will be forced by your head office to liquidate your stock at auction if you are still sitting on it. So that's why they're desperate sometimes if they've still got it to sell a car or they know it's going to auction because they'll even get less than they will get selling it through the showroom. So you can sometimes get lucky where a car has been sat on a forecourt. it was just the wrong car for that dealership and it's been bounced around a bit. Um, maybe it's not the most attractive colour or a bit higher mileage or there's a stain on the seat and it's not particularly wonderful. Um, but it's been prepped, it's ready to go, it's been fully serviced, might even have an MOT, it'll end up in the auction because it's too old.
0: Is there virtue in going to a dealer's and just saying, look, which car do you desperately want to get rid of? And they might actually give you an offer. answer?
2: I think you'd, you have to be, do. you'd
0: have to be lucky for them to be honest yeah. with you, I think.
2: <laughs> yeah, because no. they'll just sell you the one that makes the most money. Because at the end of the day, they've got a week. We've all got to eat, make no. money uh, and pay bills. And they they need to um, you know maintain a margin. They're under, you know, salesmen are under a lot of pressure. The dealer principals who are running the business are under a lot of pressure. Um, and part of that will be yeah managing that stock as tight as possible. You might catch someone off guard and they'll tell you, they might tell you, and uh, it's it's a little white lie. That's down to you to negotiate uh, to to sort of use your your skills. Fair
0: enough. What about financing these cars? What's what's the best way of of if you know if if you're not buying something for five hundred pounds, uh, and you need a bit of financing? Um, what's that like at the moment?
2: Well, the financing years ago used to be a wonderful experience because, from the dealer's point of view, it gave you an opportunity to help your customer perhaps get in a car they couldn't afford, Um, but also it was exploited by some who were a bit, um, didn't have too many scruples, so they were making too much profit on the finance. Um, What would happen generally in that situation is the finance companies would have a clawback against the dealer, so if, if someone was, I'm trying not to use too much industry terminology, but let's say someone was wedged into a car and three months later they're like, oh my god, I'm paying £700 a month, this is crazy, I really shouldn't have done it, I don't want it, and they return the car, which they can do with their, with their rights, They will be, or maybe they default on it, uh, the um, lender will claw back the commission from the dealer, and dealers don't want that, because they're three months down the line, they're struggling to hit the next quarter's uh, target, and all of a sudden they've lost hundreds of pounds of uh, finance commission. So they, they're even further behind. So, yes, there was unscrupulous positions of people taking advantage of customers who couldn't drive a calculator properly and work out monthly payments and what the overall cost was, even though it's on the document and the APR is printed very big. Um, and uh, so, you know, But a good business would manage it so that everyone made some money and people got the cars they wanted because they didn't want the poor customer scores, they didn't want the cars being returned, they didn't want the finance coming back. Okay. These days, and this is why I contacted you. I was deeply concerned because, having left the industry for twenty years, gone off doing my own things, different businesses, um, I was looking at a vehicle. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, do you know, John might buy another car. Um, and I looked at the finance and the dealer. Thirteen percent. Hang because on, it does seem a bit high. That is incredibly high. Looks another one, one, twelve. Looks another one, 11. One was fourteen. Well,
0: especially since if you're a local authority, government agency, or large multinational business, you can basically borrow for, for pretty much nothing, maybe a quarter of a percent. So, so for to be paying thirteen percent, that is.
2: I could buy the the uh, the new car at six point nine percent, and a two year old or three year old used version at thirteen percent, and their monthly payments are pretty much the same. So then, as a you know, having run businesses and standing back at it looking from a macro point of view what's going on here this is not good for the consumer it's not good for the franchise it's not good for anybody really Um, and I was told by this contact that it's a a new terminology terminology called treating customers fairly introduced by the FCA.
0: So so am I to understand that your, your credit score no longer matters, you just get a blanket rate?
2: Yeah, uh, to a degree, I, I, I'll get, get to that. So hmm. you, were, you were very much able to negotiate a deal for your vehicle and your finance based on how good or bad you were. And if you had lots of CCJs, you would pay uh, more for your finance and you might get rejected. Now, to a certain extent, that happens now. But through this through FSAs treating customers fairly, they started, they did a document. This is 2006, and the third from last word uh, was what prompted me to contact you and say, Dan, have you seen this? Outcomes. We've heard outcomes, ah, quality, quality of outcomes, outcome. not,
0: yes, I see.
2: 2006. What was 2006? This was peak Blair. Yes. Okay. Yes. You see where I'm coming from. So I, I, I looked, asked you, if you, do you know anything about it? You didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about it. So I looked into well, it.
0: Well, I, I have encountered the the prelude to this because this happened in the finance industry um, a few years before. So when I first started in wealth management, it, what, that's the, that,
2: what sort of time period is this? Oh, this would have been 2000s. Uh, well, early 2000s. Yes.
0: So in, in the early 2000s, when I first started in finance, I started in wealth management. And when I very first started, we would speak to anyone. So a little old lady who had £500 a month to invest could ring up and we would give her, you know, a bit of advice. And then the FCA came along and said, oh, actually, you know, what you need to do is you need to do a full assessment of their finances you need to do this, you need to write them a letter, this whole bunch of stuff and basically they made it so expensive that it was only worth giving advice to people who had portfolios of 100 grand plus. So basically what it did is instead of um, little old ladies and whoever getting some advice they now got nothing so they just had to make their, make their financial decisions based on adverts. So that was the, the prelude to this and then that that that's, That's thinking, interesting you say that, yeah. Then spread out. Obviously, they got bored with doing it with just finance, so they decided to start doing cars and everything else.
2: To watch the full video, please become a premium member at lotuseaders.com.